Hello, this is Jose Omanya with the Bad Hombres FC podcast. First off, we want to apologize for the delay on getting this episode up for you. We had a guest and we wanted to make this the best episode possible. Editing process really got me back and really got us a little backwards, but we wanted to get this podcast out to you so you'd be able to listen to it and enjoy the Bad Hombres FC podcast this week. One other note, during the recording of this podcast, Information about the arrest and suspension of Mohanet Deyaez was not out to the public at that time. We recorded this podcast on Sunday. Everything came out afterwards. Uh, here's the current information that we have as of Wednesday. In a statement, club officials confirmed Deyaez was arrested on Saturday while on an approved leave from the club, he was out due to that quadricep injury was obtained during the game against Montreal. Iraqi international, who's also a native of Sweden, where he was arrested, was placed on suspension by MLS pending an investigation by the league and Swedish authorities. Club said in a statement that DC United will remain in close contact with Major League Soccer, the Players Union, and the Swedish authorities during this investigation. Based on the information that was released, Yaez was arrested on Saturday after the second of alleged assault, both of which took place in Stockholm, according to Swedish prosecution authorities. The first happened in December. No charges have been brought to Yaez. According to the Associated Press, he has proclaimed his innocence. According to the Washington Post and the Associated Press, Yaez will remain in custody until May 8th with court records stating that the prosecution believes that, quote, there is a risk that the suspect will evade prosecution or punishment and suppress evidence and continue his criminal activities, unquote. Now, by May 8th, there must be a charge brought to the court or the case will be dropped. Now, just a reminder for those who weren't aware, Jaez signed a three-year deal with United during the offseason after spending the last three seasons with Hamburby. He did play five of six matches that he was playing for United. He started in five where he recorded two assists. This is all that we know as of now. Again, Jaez has proclaimed his innocence, according to the Associated Press, and he will not be in court until May 8th. Um, At the current time, That is all the information we have. And like I said, we did not uh, address this topic as the podcast was recorded prior to his arrest. So expect us to provide extra context and information from press conferences, uh, conversations with players and coach Wayne Rooney in the next edition of the Bad Hombres FC podcast. But we have a treat for you as we will be talking to Moises Lenardes of MLS Soccer and Apple TV Plus about his experience now calling games. So stay tuned for more on that discussion here on the Bad Hombres FC podcast. Enjoy this episode. Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC Podcast, where we're focused on things pro soccer in the DMV and across the United States. This is Jose Omania, sports writer for Sports Pulse, and joining me as always is Mario Amaya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I am doing all right. You know, I'm just a million dollars short of being a millionaire. All righty then. I got nothing else to add other than we cover millionaires. Speaking of a non-millionaire, we'll be talking uh, DC United with Moises Linares of Major League Soccer in a second. But before we speak to Mr. Linares and have a quick discussion about how it's going with the Apple TV deal, we have to talk about something that hadn't happened in the Wayne Rooney tenure since he was hired in July of last year, and that is back-to-back victories. And that comes after DC United defeated Orlando City on Saturday, 3-1. to one. Donovan Pine scores a goal. You had a goal from Christian Veteke and Taxi Funtas, who knots his first goal of the season. DC, uh, what everyone seems to be 
calling it had a complete performance against Orlando and has essentially made the the Florida City its home away from home. Uh, Mario, what are your thoughts on this match? To me, DC United, while it didn't dominate from the first minute, to me, it had essentially its best performance of the season against an Orlando team that was just recently competing in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, I kind of agree with that assessment. It was their best performance. It wasn't a dominating performance. I feel like Orlando had a lot more attacking control, uh, was attacking a lot more throughout the game. But DC United found a balance within not only just defensively, they were sound. Uh, we got a much better, per- we got great performances, not only from Steve Birnbaum, we also got one from Donovan Pines who scored a goal for the first time since 2020. So it, it, it was interesting to see that DC United was at, at the front, was able to balance out not only just attack, catching Orlando flat-footed and counter, on the counter, but they were able to defensively kind of just block whatever Orlando had. And I think on the attack, Christian Benteke on the hold-up play was key again. Because he was in two of the three goals was was key, holding up the ball and setting and setting up the uh, goal for taxi between Click and then Ruan on the on a quick one too, and then scoring a great volley at at the end of the game to seal the deal. So I think overall DC United, while not being dominant, was able to put in a performance where they played extremely well, not only on the offensive side of the ball. Finding, finding those touches on the final third, but defensively holding Orlando to a minimum of one goal and frustrating them for the most part. Yeah, I thought, well, first off, I thought, you know, last week Wayne didn't want to flip to the 3-5-2 and did it out of necessity um, based on the type of team that Hernan Lozada and Montreal kind of pushed out there, which is kind of, and this is uh, what one reporter called it behind the scenes, uh, the hate man attack. <laughs> and so to counteract that, you know, going to 3-5-2, having two, the two wingers be inverted defenders essentially and become a five back whenever they want to, um, it, it helped United defensively. And that's always been, for me, one of the bigger issues the last couple of seasons is what has happened to DC United's back line. Um, since trying to convert it to a three-back. And now it seems to me like that could be the preferred position going forward, even though Wayne Rooney preferred to play with a four-man back line. But today, I mean, on Saturday, it just felt like everything was clicking after the goal. Like, yeah, there were issues with possession. Wayne in his press conference mentioned that he didn't like how they – Lost the ball in certain areas, especially in the midfield, allowed Orlando too many touches and attempts. Obviously, the the goal came off of a mistake from O'Brien. And so to the like to DC I fans, like this is what you've been waiting for. You know, a lot of people have been like, we had a response to one of the sports posts post of the podcast saying, at what point does results carry weight more than style and and i was dumbfounded that fans are never i've heard it from other fans like these matches have been good or like when should we be expecting this team to look better if we're gonna win at least we can win better the way we're looking united's finally getting the results wayne told us in multiple press conferences like results will come and i think this was the game they needed. Funny enough, I said this was the game they needed against Montreal, which was score a lot, and they needed it. And you could see it on the relief of their faces. Taxi's goal was just perfectly set up with the one-twos going from uh, Benteke's hold-up to click with the one-touch, run one-touch, right to Taxi, and Taxi's all alone. There's nothing Orlando was ever going to do. As he just basically cut through the middle and made that look too easy. Benteke with the hold up, let the bounce happen, uh, bounces off his chest, his knee, volley, score. Like, those are the little things. But I just want to bring up real quick, Diane Pines, I love you, man. 
it's going to be hard for someone to knock him off if they continue playing this three-back. And especially if he's going to score goals like that. No, not just the header because it was wide open. He should score that. Trucking that. (laughs) 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 I mean, just. This man over. Like, trucking Cesar Araujo when he was looking to try and block him and just saying, Excuse me, miss. Um, (laughs) Just, just. Like, well, first off, he should have paid attention better. And he should have saw Donovan coming. That is a legal play. That is not a foul. He just didn't know how to contain that big man. And so I'm happy that Donovan Pine's got a goal. It's too long. I'm still mad about that goal that got disallowed against um, Minnesota. Minnesota. So it was a couple years back. Um, And so here we are. And I'm glad he got his goal. It is hard work. I think a lot of people thought Donovan Pines was going to be the odd man out in the in the center back roles when you have Brendan Hindyke and everybody healthy, um, but he's made himself an extra key piece um, and taken advantage of the injury. So kudos to him, and like you mentioned, uh, Brumbaum. I thought he had a stellar performance as well, and he he's doing okay. I really thought that. A, just caught up to him, but he's really stood out to make sure that he maintains a place on this team. So I thought the United played overall better than what people expected. And this was the game that we've all been waiting for, the complete performance. And hopefully we'll see that trend continue. Right. And also, I think I want to point out, Ruan played pretty well on the wing. I think he's coming into his own uh, into his own in this Wayne Rooney system, and also you can This means a little more healthy competition for Andy Nahar, who's also coming back off an injury, and he came off the bench and came, and gave a gave a pretty solid performance. So I think now st- things are starting to click for DC United a lot more offensively, and it looks like they're gate they're. It looks like they're now coming into their own on on the style of play that Wayne Rooney wants to play. And this game is absolutely, absolutely kind of the case for it right now. And also, we got to say, Wayne Rooney loves winning in Orlando. What did the city of Orlando do to Wayne Rooney? He continues to win, and it's great. He finds different ways to do it, not only as a player, but now as a coach. Yeah, everybody loves... um... Talking about that, I saw the DC United social media team uh, go off and make some jokes at the expense of Orlando. Um, all I'll say to that is, you know, hey, take advantage of the teams that are ahead of you, that are in front of you, and if you're good at, I like that they're getting wins on the road. That's the key for me. Like the fact that they're getting wins on the road, they're finding those results, that they're getting key contributions for players that probably were not supposed to be or were going to be kind of pushed to the wayside. You know, Chris Durkin starting off strong, a couple of the academy players. Now those guys are on the bench because they got the big boys in and they spent money finally. Something that DC United has never attempted to try to sufficiently do over the years. And so... Now everybody's performing, clicking, but I do want to see those academy guys get more minutes. I would like to see Jansen Hopkins back on the field. I felt uh, Ted uh, Pietro started off well getting that game winner in the opener. And I feel like they're going to need some minutes, and we'll probably see it this Wednesday as they play in the Open Cup against Richmond in Audi Field. So I would love to see those guys get minutes and thrive and don't forget, the transfer window is Monday night. Uh, United will look to make one more move, but it may, you know, according to Wayne, it may be more of a trade um, than actual acquisition abroad. We'll see how that happens, but they're going to need somebody. Again, they don't have a backup for Christian Viteke. And uh, according to Washington Post, uh, Mohamed uh, Jaez, who who did not plans not to be back for a couple of weeks due to the uh, thigh injury. 
and Brendan Heinzeig and Derek Williams still are still recovering from their injury. So they're going to need at least one or two more players. So I expect United to make at least one move uh, this Monday. Yeah, same. And I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna go on the sake of predicting what that move is gonna be, it's gonna look more like an attacking move. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I I think DC United will make a, a proper move uh, heading into the trade deadline. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully, it's a move that will help the will hopefully excuse me uh, help the team out in, after especially after this performance. So. They go against Charlotte at home, so we'll hopefully see if DC United can maintain its winning ways. Some team that needs winning ways but are still undefeated is the Washington Spirit as they went to a scoreless draw with Houston at Audi Field. 7,072 were in attendance to see this game. I'm going to disagree with the AP assessment being that we were both there. They called it a defensive battle. I there was no <laughs> sure, uh, but this was not defensive battle in the sake of defenses. This was more of a midfield battle in my look. But the Spirit getting unlucky, actually Sanchez hitting the post, um, Aubrey Kingsbury making two key stops, uh, one of which in the 70th minute where she had to push uh, Sophia Schmidt shot over the crossbar, and then one in the 94th minute to keep the game scoreless. Both teams had multiple chances of scoring. They just failed in the final third. Uh, we heard it uh, from Mark Pearson that, at the post-game press conference um, that they just didn't have quality opportunities against a Houston team that was also canceled out by the fact that their top three uh, attackers didn't get quality chances against the Spirit either. So, to me, I don't think it was a defensive affair. As AP puts it, it's more or less they got canceled out. But, Mario, what did you think? You were at the match as well. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. It was a little more of a midfield battle with an element of both defenses playing extremely well. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of create, create opportunities. I think Ashley Sanchez is header off the crossbar. She said it during the press conference. She did it with her eyes closed. She closed her eyes at that point, which for me, that's kind of impressive either way, either way you chuck it. But I think it's a it's a little bit of a letdown that they got they got a draw at home. I feel like the Spirit were a little bit more the better team. They were a little more offensively creative, but they were able to get the proper opportunities. I think defensively, the Spirit looked great especially with the with the center back pairing of uh, Sam Staub and uh, Tara McCune. Um, McCune, who remember, didn't play as a center back last season and has just been inserted there this season. She's come a little bit into her own, and I think she's uh, she's a lot more comfortable there. And it helps that you have someone like Sam Staub right there as your center back pair, as, as your center back partner. So I think they defensively, the spirit had one of their better performances. I think offensively they were a little bit flat, but I think that the opportunities were there. Houston was able to give the Spirit some fits, but at the end of the day, it just came down to, like you said, both teams canceled each other out. I thought they canceled each other out. I thought, I'm agree with you. I thought that they did a great job. Maria Sanchez in the first half was pretty much by herself on that left wing and nothing was happening on the left wing. She had her she had an opportunity where she uh basically destroyed <laughs> uh uh Carlisle on the wing. Um but she had to go from the left wing all the way to the right wing in order to get the ball to get to Carlisle. So that tells you everything about like the limited opportunities she had. And that's why I'm like, it's not a defensive battle. It's more of a midfield battle because you have players playing out of position just to get the ball. The Trini Raman was also, she's more explosive down the wing. And so I felt that there were times, especially in the second half, where she just didn't get the ball. She didn't have much action unless she moved to the center and was kind of playing behind uh, Ashley Hatch. And so, but then that kind of, that space kind of opened up to allow 
Sanchez to just come in and drift in. I thought our second half was way better. Um, yeah, you're right. She did tell us about the eyes closed, but I think she also kind of explained what Mark kind of explained was there were so many openings that she was missing in the first half that it was good for her to get in there and find those openings. She had multiple opportunities there. I remember she had this one uh, opportunity where she kind of dribbled and took a shot from afar, and it, it was an easy catch for uh, Jane Campbell, uh, the goalkeeper for Houston. And like I say, I'm, I'm not trying to – in defensively, yes, Houston were, were stable in trying to limit opportunities to trend to uh, Hachi. Uh, but at the end of the day, I thought – Washington was just missing quality chances. It's similar to what Pierce, um, uh, Mark Parsons, <laughs> Mark Parsons mentioned in the post-game presser. I think while they stay undefeated, they 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 had a chance to make a statement with this with the Dash because they the Dash are one of the better teams. They did that big trade to get um, Ordonez, um, and. This this was their very first big test out of with a bigger with a team that may compete in the playoffs this season. So I'm I'm more hopeful <laughs> uh, of the Spirits' chances going forward. Obviously, they're going to head to Chicago where they play a Mallory Swanson-less uh, Chicago Red Stars on Saturday, but. I, I mean, I'm intrigued now that we, like you said, the defensive pair and center backs looks better. Uh, Dorian Bailey came off with an injury, so they at least have Amber Brooks that came in, did a solid job out in the wing. I wonder if that's going to be the look going forward or if they look plan to um, add someone else to that role. And it was good to see Chloe Ricketts in a game situation where you know, one move and Spirit could take the victory. And she did have some moments. She was out here trying to, de- you know, nutmeg people, trying to make some moves. But it was it was good to get her out there and get some minutes when they obviously had the chance to win the game. Right. And also Paige Metier, uh what a baller. Uh, she <laughs> she was out here just nutmegging Houston midfielders and defenders. It was great. Um, so I think she had a really solid performance on the wing as well. So it, it kind of adds to the sentiment of this was a midfield battle. A midfield battle. Yes. And so, um, again, I think w- we'll see more from the spirit against Chicago, like I said, without – Mallory Swanson in the attack, so it allows. Well, it's a different attack. It's a different look, and they did have a long day in the office yesterday, uh, <laughs> playing a future uh, OL Reign owned by somebody else. <laughs> I mean, that was we don't need to talk about that, um, which dominated <laughs> what we were going to discuss. Um, early in the week, all we're going to say is rumors are funny. Yeah, yeah, I, rumors I feel, are hilarious. I feel like that's the only way we get to discuss it is reportedly it was rumored that Michelle Kang was going to purchase OL, not OL Reign, but um, Olympique Lyon Women's. Yeah, Olympique Lyon Women's in France. And before everyone could just get their ducks in a row of what was really going on, Olympic Lyonnais, the club respond going, hey, we're not selling the women's section of our club in France. We're selling off the all ring. Which, that made sense, but um, that's why there are formal announcements. Of <laughs> <laughs> and, and the money... Have, hold on. And we still haven't even gotten... The, the spirit haven't commented about it, but uh, where was the Michelle Kang connection to all this? Oh, she's an owner of a team in NWSL. Like, I still that that's the only question we have up in the air. But otherwise, this was a whole mess. It was hilarious to say the least. I I was just sitting there minding my own business, and then boom, the keeps like so. We have a report. Michelle Kang wants to buy the team. What so, a fumble, yeah. by the way, by the keep. So that, that in itself was just kind of funny, but it, it's kind of funny how reports start and how 
with a little bit of like saying, no, this isn't happening. We're just going to sell the whole well rain. It kind of died down a little bit, but it was pretty interesting to say the least. Yeah, that's all we're going to say about that is we don't know anything other than what Olympic Lyonnais has announced. <laughs> Spirit are no commenting, obviously, to have Michelle Kang link. Look, she wants to have the best club in the world. I I didn't know she wanted to be in France. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> that was interesting to, let's say, start the week. Yes, you know. You know, why not only do I want to build the best club in the world, according to Michelle Kang, why not buy one of the best teams in the world, according to some random report? While it does seem like we're cutting the week short, we're not. We instead had a lovely opportunity to talk to Moises, an artist formerly of Telemundo here locally in NBC Washington and DC United uh, play-by-play in, for Spanish broadcasting. And On Teleexitos. Who uh, was able to join Major League Soccer during the offseason as part of their broadcast of MLS matches going forward uh, for Apple TV. So we got it. We had the opportunity to talk to Moises about the move as well as other soccer topics. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a special treat for you guys here in the Bad Ombres FC podcast. We officially have our, fir- our very first guest on this podcast. He is currently one of the play-by-play announcers in Spanish for Apple TV. He is also formerly of Tele Exitos, the number one voice in Spanish for DC United, and for Telemundo, Deport- for Telemundo 44 here in Washington, D.C., and NBC Universal. The lovely pride and joy of South Central Los Angeles, California, Moises Linares. Moises, how you doing today? That was the only thing that was missing right there, man. I'm happy to be with you guys. Thank you for the invite. I can't believe I'm the first guest on your podcast. Wow. Hey, man. That's awesome. He apparently doesn't count Dero anymore. So Dero don't count anymore. <laughs> Dang. All right, yo, look, you're the first illustrious guest, all right? So I wonder if you got your gift basket with all your goodies? I, I did not get anything. I don't know if that was supposed to come on, you know, in the mail or what happened. Like, don't, lost- don't worry. Hey, look, UPS is, ru- is, ru- is running on backups right now, so you should get it real soon, man. So I just got to ask, how are you feeling right now at this very moment in time? It's good, man. It's good. I think this uh, new chapter is, is, is truly... Uh, overwhelming in a good way. There's a lot of traveling. There's a lot more to to do than when I used to call just these United games. Now you're prepping for different teams every other week. So it's been it's been crazy good in a way. But I'm happy we are eight nine games into the season, and it just feels like they're rolling just one after another. I travel to whatever city I'm going to, and I've traveled to Okobo by now. I have to come back, and by the time that I come back, I take a day off, and it's time to go again. Moises, uh, can you kind of go through your your preparation in the week? Comp- like, obviously, you were working a tw- not 24-hour, but you were working a daily news schedule. Things would change on the daily, but now that you're solely focused on play-by-play, like, what's your schedule like heading towards game day? It's. Uh, I think I, I, I kind of, like, stay off Monday, Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, I start like researching new information, see, um, I'm keeping an eye on whatever might be trending, if there's any breaking news for the teams that I'm covering or that I'm going to call, or just an eye on the league. And then on Thursday, we have press conferences with each team. Apple has their own press conference with a coach and with a player, so we get to talk to them take a few notes, probably dig a little deeper and see if they tell us anything different than they told the rest of the media. After that, it's I'm, I'm looking at the local reporters. I'm seeing what they're writing. Maybe they picked up something when they were at the press conference. And that actually always helps because you find nuggets. And I'm always looking for nuggets. By week, I would say seven, eight. If you're calling, a, I'm calling up to this point pretty much East Coast teams. So I have already an understanding of what's happening. Um, I'm getting doubles, triples in some cases with certain teams. But 
by Thursday, I'm starting to jot notes, starting to see if there's anything I don't know about the players that might help me during the broadcast. Friday is travel day. I go over I go over notes before I go to bed. Saturday, then it's game day, and I'm just kind of like walking around the hotel. I'll try to get a workout in, and I'm just kind of waiting, and I'm anxious, and I'm the type of person that likes to be at the stadium early, uh, Dave Johnson type of style. So I'm three, <laughs> yeah, that's, all, that's always good. I understand that. <laughs> three to four hours before uh, kickoff. Yeah, that sounds about right. No, I understand that. Uh, so just gotta ask, like, when adapt, like, with a with a with doing the bro- bro- local broadcast before the Apple deal, you only had to worry about just DC United and probably their opponent. Now that you're doing more of a national of a national broadcast, how do you properly prepare for like proper game notes for for the games that you're calling throughout the week, and how does it change? I treat it like if it's my team, you know, I, I treat it like I would like the play by play announcers that I'm listening to to be prepared. I want to know more about the team. I want to know more about the fan base. I want to see if they're doing anything different, just the same way that I was doing for DC United fans. You know, I would go and emerge myself in the crowd. I would make sure that I was there early to kind of, you know, pay attention to any anything that might have happened last minute, ask questions. But uh, I'm digging. I'm trying to, to read the, the local coverage from each team, whether it was Charlotte or Nashville, I'm calling, I've called several Red Bull games before, but now I'm calling my first Red Bull game of the season. So I'm trying to dig and see what do they have that probably no one's mentioned. And I'm also listening to the previous broadcast. So I go back like two games and I'm listening to see how they played. First, I'm watching the game. And second, I'm listening to see if the announcer, you know, brought something up that might have, that might be interesting, that might still work for my broadcast. Yeah, I've noticed you. You've been like going to Montreal recently. You've been going to Columbus. Uh, Charlotte was your first game of the season. You've been to Audi. What's the what's the how's the change been from your usual routine? How it was here at Audi. Now that you're going to these venues, like what do you like about the travel? How has it been difficult, or have you adjusted to the travel and? these stadiums and these venues, how have you liked the, the process of going to meet these new fans, these these new venues? Like, how have you liked the process? No, I think the difference is that you're neutral. That's the only difference I would I can point out. I think everything else is pretty much the same. You're neutral. You're no longer working for a particular team. When it was DC United, you were, in a way, rooting for DC United. You wanted them at least to do well and perform well. Now it's whoever plays the best game, you're going to call it how it is. And... I typically don't hold back if a team played bad. I, I call it down the middle and I say that wasn't a good game or et cetera, et cetera. Always within that fine line of, of journalism. And I would say that's the one difference that I've encountered. Other than that, traveling, I love traveling. I get to see different cities. I get to see different stadiums. Um, I've been to Columbus a couple of times. Probably that's probably my the one city that I would say I, I didn't like it as much because it's been cold both times that I've been there. And it has to be- <laughs> we understand that completely. Out of my so, head. We got to- totally, totally. You guys went when it was freezing cold. I, it yeah. Was- <laughs> yeah, we did. And you know what? I don't regret. We don't regret going to the game. We just regret the time that they decided to play that game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, why too. So I want to get to know the cities. I just don't want to go to the hotel go to the stadium. I try to go the extra mile, even though you're a little bit tired, but I think it's important to know the city you're going to be working for because the fan base, if they didn't make it to the stadium, they might be listening to you and you want them to, to be impressed. You want them to be like, all right, this guy, he knows what's up. You don't, you don't want just somebody to, to show up and, and speak about on the surface type of thing. So I, I try to do my due diligence. I try to, to really push for a better broadcast. I, I sometimes, like I said earlier, I want to be the the play-by-play guy that I that I hope to listen to when I'm watching TV, when I'm listening to a plat to any platform, whether it's Apple TV or any other platform that broadcasts uh, soccer games. Well, you mentioned that Columbus is probably your least favorite city that you travel to. Which <laughs> city have you liked traveling to the most so far this season to call a game? 
Nashville and Montreal, which I'm going back to again, but I love Nashville. <laughs> I love Nashville. Nashville was awesome. I mean, you've had the Montreal experience. You were inside the Olympic Arena, the Olympic Stadium, and you were in Stade Saputo. Like, how different is the vibe on both? It's much small. I mean, Saputo is much smaller. It's a it's a smaller venue. Then you can kind of feel the fans. But I think the fact that the team hasn't been that great has had an impact because I can recall a team. I think DC United did it when they opened up their stadium, Audi Field, back in 2018, where they had a lot of away games. So with Montreal, I feel that the fact that they had to play so many games away from home and then come back to to Montreal with a losing record didn't benefit them because the fans are already kind of like beat up emotionally. But fans showed up, though. I just feel like the vibe wasn't all there. And when it came to the Olympic Stadium, it's just so massive. But here's a nugget. I, I, I There's one thing that I, I kept telling people there. I'm like, you know, this stadium reminds me of a particular stadium. You won't guess which one it is. I can guess. It's RFK. RFK. <laughs> it was like the same stadium. I'm like, who... Who, who's the architect for the stadium? It was probably the same person, I promise you. Like, the, the seats, the, you know, everything's almost the same. The tunnels are the same. I'm like, all right, it must have been built in around the same time. <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, was there any raccoons or any kind of, like, wild wildlife oh, inside oh, the Olympic oh, Stadium? <laughs> it, 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 it has good maintenance, by the way. It has good maintenance. It still looks good for how old it is. It looks, it looks in great shape. And I think they invested, I can't remember if it was 50 million or 250 million. It might be 50 million. They have new turf. They had like state of the art turf that was installed not so long ago. And they did a lot of, uh, uh, they were re remodeling the stadium. I can't remember if it was last year or earlier this year. I, I think it was last year. You've called a couple of DC9 games. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Like, what are your thoughts of the team? Per, 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 before this weekend, obviously. But what are your thoughts on the team and how it's performed? And from your vantage point, how are things different from last season in your eyes? I think the team hasn't hasn't played up to the standards the fans want. I think it's better than last year for sure, right? Last year, the team was getting blown out of the water in a lot of the games they were playing. This time around, I think they've been competitive. They've, they've been in a lot of these games and they just haven't been able to to shut the door or take advantage of their opportunities, but also injuries, which are part of the sport. So no matter what you do, you're going to have to deal with injuries. But the team hasn't had the, the starting 11, I believe, Wayne Rooney wants on the field. So that's one of the things that I've noticed right off the bat. Yet um, when we're talking, honestly, I still feel that the team can improve in a lot of ways. Now that Andy's recovered, I, I think that that's going to give the team a spark. And I hope that it motivates the, the squad to kind of go out there and put some wins together. But the way that it's looking, uh, they might be fighting for perhaps the last spot in, in the playoffs. And, and that's asking for a lot. So like like they always say, if the team gets into the playoffs, anything, anything can happen. But then there's other teams that you see playing and you're like, this team's good. Like this team can fight for the for the title, and that's the Columbus, you know, that's the LAFCs. I don't know if St. Louis is going to be able to hang hang in there all the way till the end, but as of now, they look sharp, they look strong, and they look like a competitor. And then we have the teams that I think haven't lived up to the expectations: Philadelphia, um, Austin. They're there, but they still haven't really proven that they can win the championship. Out of the games that you've called so far this season, which team has actually impressed you the most? Since I called them a couple of times, I have to say I called the the first New England game, and I thought I thought it was it was not the greatest of games. They were still filling each other out, and it makes sense. It's game number one, week number one of the MLS season. But I have to say Columbus. I've I, I've had I've called them already. I think twice or three times. I think it's twice, and and they they play well. You see their style. They kind of make you believe, like, all right, this is a winning team. And Cucho Hernandez is injured, and they're still performing. So you're like, right. wow, this team, you know, they have it. They have the it factor. And, uh, you know, aside from that, I think most of the team, most of the team, I would say 80 90%, it's under, 30, it's under 23 years old. So that, that's a big thing right there. You have kids that are under 23, and they're performing. 
crazy, man. If you don't mind me asking back to the you calling matches, uh, you, you in the United game, you were calling one of the United games where they had a penalty call and you were very vocal and saying, you know, the referee needs to get this right and and they got it wrong. The VAR got it wrong. I believe it was the the one where uh, taxi got fouled in the box. Yeah. When how? What's the feedback like from the league on those kind of situations? Like, do do they not mind you saying those kind of things? Like, what kind of feedback are you receiving when uh, post match from the producers no. and the league? You know what? I, I've never been, you know, on the inside of, of MLS calls and the way things are handled. I don't get to hear everything or. Sometimes we get, you know, conversations. We get invited into these conversations, whether it's uh, a referee explaining certain calls or whether it's uh, some of the leaders of, you know, the league management talking about, like, for example, the Dante Van Seer incident. But we haven't been told, don't call this or don't say this or that. I mean, like any job, you know, that you don't want to overstep. But I haven't heard anything negative about anyone speaking about the refs i don't think that for example for clarification purposes at no given time because anybody who might be listening might say like what are you talking about i've never spoken bad about refs right 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 feel that as a journalist aside from a play-by-play announcer i always question i always question and for me the big thing with a var is there's certain plays that i I can see and we can see that VAR is hitting up the center ref and asking him to go look at it. And then there's other plays where you're like, well, I feel that that's a play they should go. They should at least take a look. And it's like, nah, 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 I'm not going to look at it. But at the end of the day, it's the ref's decision to to go and take a look or not. I think with the, I think with the taxi situation, there was a penalty that was not called in that game. And then I'm waiting for the angles. Show me the replay. For some reason, we were not getting the replays. I didn't see the replay. My guy's telling me, my my analyst is telling me, well, I don't think they have the angle of they would show that it would overturn that this is a PK. Wayne Rooney, because I called back-to-back these United games, tells us in the middle of the week that he had the angle, that the team had the angle, and they showed it. But I guess the refs, pro explain to him why it was not a, a PK. And that's the end of the story. You can't, after that happens, that's when you know it's just, all right, let's move on. Has there been questionable calls that I feel that should have gone DC United way? Yeah, 100%. I think so. And that could have changed the game for DC United. Was DC United playing better in that moment of the, of the game? Maybe. Were they the better team? Probably not. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I just got to, one one of the things like how how do you find out which games you're going to call throughout uh, throughout the week? Do they tell you this at the beginning of the week, or is this more of like towards like the middle of the week that you find out which games you're going to be ca- uh, calling on live? No, we have a boss, and the boss usually hits us up a couple weeks before and and asks our availability, and we say whether we can go or not. I've been available for every match that I've been asked to call, so. Up to this point, I haven't had any conflicts in my schedule. I know that it changes over the summer. It changes whether I'm doing anything else or if I'm working anywhere else. And uh, that's that's how it goes. But usually, I think there's a month anticipation of, of the games we might be calling, maybe six weeks. So then we just wait. Like right now, I, I think I have till the end of middle of May. So that's like a... And I was given that like a couple weeks back. So I'm sure within a couple of weeks... We'll be asked again, and 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 then we go from there. You recently on your socials, you've been seen shadowing over at Nats Ballpark. Um, what's in the horizon outside of MLS? Like, obviously, your focus is on soccer. Your focus yeah. is on MLS. But what else do you see? You know, we had a previous conversation where you you were still open to Commanders game. So, what what is in the horizon for for you currently? Well, right now I'm going to jump on board with the Nationals and I'm going to do a couple of games, not play by play, but more like pre and post to, to host their show. I think Dan's going to, well, Dan, Dan's like the second play by play guy. So 
I'll be working with them a couple of games. I haven't committed to more than a series because like my main focus is MLS and I want to make sure that I get it right and that I'm always available for this. And uh, if there is more space after the next series, which is the series against the Mets, then we'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk and we'll see how I can contribute. I always love contributing. I always love working with the local teams. I never had the opportunity to work with them in this capacity. So I think that that's a pretty much... That's a big deal for me. That's a big deal for my career. And we'll we'll wait and see. But yeah, there's some freelance work coming with them. It might be short, it might be long. It hasn't been decided yet. But the fact that they, you know, they reached out and, and they want to ask me and they asked me to to work with them. And if I was interested, I interested, I thought it was big. How did that opportunity to work with the nationals come about at uh all, all together? I think it comes it comes about because of the work that I've done in the past 10 years with NBC and with Telemundo and with the fact that I've always been there covering the team in you know good or bad times. I, I've tried to to show a face, to still conduct interviews, but I've never been asked to host a pre and and post show. I would say that perhaps doing you know a lot of the shows for NBC. Um, sports final during the last couple of months before I, I departed, it contributed to, to the fact that it gave me an opportunity that opened that door and that it showed that I had the capacity of, of uh, hosting a show. Now, mind you, this is baseball. It's a, I, I've covered baseball. I like baseball, but I've never, I've never had the chance of actually hosting a show like the one that I'm, I'm going to host next week. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be cool. It's a new experience and we'll see how we feel. After that, I, you know, like you guys know me, I'm the type of person who's always taking risk. I feel like you take risk, you, you try it, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if you succeed, then you succeed, and you have an opportunity to, to choose what do you want to do next. But the, the, the thing that I know I don't want to do is just kind of say like no because uh, I'm intimidated or I feel like I can't do it. I feel like that I'm always willing to, to put in the time to prepare, and it's also an opportunity to keep crossing over and transcend and and do it in two different languages. Mm -hmm. I feel that that's the most important thing for me, like when it comes to being a professional, when it comes to being a sports journalist. Heading back to MLS, my only other question to ask you is, you know, you're an observer of the league. Um, What for you, what do you think is going to happen this season for like the way this Apple deal is setting set up thus far? There have been like, people saying you know will mls survive there's an opt-out according to the commissioner how have you seen the apple deal being not just in it but absorbing it as you watch matches at home and do you do you think this is where sports is heading in the future it's crazy because i haven't had any of the issues some of the fans have talked about i think i saw i think last weekend there's something happened and the only reason I found out was because some people were tweeting about it. But other than that, I've heard nothing but good things of the Apple deal. And I, I feel that the quality is there. I think they're giving it a lot of thought. They're putting a lot of effort into making this work. You have a lot of professional people who are going above and beyond. Will there be mistakes? Yeah, for sure. It's year one. You can't expect not to make mistakes when you're doing something new. And I think that if there is mistakes, they're very small and they're being fixed and they're, they're paying attention to that on the spot. So I think that's a, that's a great thing. I don't feel this is going anywhere and I, at least not anytime soon. I think this is year one. This is the year to keep learning, to keep growing. And the product is getting better and better and better and they're incorporating different stuff. I don't know what the plans are before the year ends. I just know that they're all in and they're they're working hard to make this work. I don't think anyone goes into anything expecting it for for something to fail. I don't think Apple went into this deal and said, oh, you know, it might fail or so did MLS. Everybody's and I've learned this from people that mentor me and people that I look up to is like when you do something, everybody wants you to succeed. We want the lead to succeed. I want this lead to be number one in all of America within the next five to ten years. That's like the goal. I, I feel that it's moving in the right direction. This is a busy summer, you know, for people who, who might have not paid attention. 
was about to happen. I don't think it's ever happened. I'm checking my calendar, man, and I'm thinking, all right, when do I have a break? Or when might I? When does the league have a break? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking that because I'm thinking, like, when can I go home and just chill or go to El Salvador and go to the beach and drink some, and drink some agua de coco? And I, <laughs> I'm like, because I'm thinking, well, we have the, the league. We have League's Cup. We have the Gold Cup. We have the Women's World Cup, and the league right. doesn't stop. It just continues. So there's, like, soccer nonstop. And if you love the sport, you can't complain. For us that are going to be working, well, I mean, I would rather be working than not working. So I, I can't <laughs> say for that. But I feel that the league, to just uh, reiterate what you were saying, um, it, it feels like the league is moving in the right direction. And I think it's not about the future. You know, you asked me if this is the future. It, it's already the present. There's all sorts of apps that are streaming soccer games around the world. I think this is what's going to happen. Might something happen in the future to kind of put everything together in one place? I don't know. But as of now, I feel that, yeah, this is this is what's happening. And I feel that Apple has a good product and they're aiming to be number one like they do and everything else. And, you know, because we, I own an iPhone. I don't know if you own an iPhone. I think all of my <laughs> own iPhones, so. I work on a Mac, so I don't have my phone, but I have the Mac, so you're, you got a point. <laughs> Quick follow-up. Um, is it the same number of people that you usually work with when you're on TV, like it, when, when you were doing local games here? Is it the same amount of people or Apple adding more people in the no. staff that you're usually? A lot more. A lot more. For example, we have a, we have a Spanish producer. Never had one of those before. And he's just focused, or she's just focused on, on the needs of the Spanish team. Sometimes we have, uh, I don't know the right name of the position, so don't quote me. It's unofficial. This is what I think that person is called. It's like, I, let's say it's an assistant producer, but I would call him yeah. like a runner. <laughs> so the runners make <laughs> have everything. <laughs> that you know. And I didn't have that before. I had to go and, and get it and make sure that it was somewhere. And now I, it's right there, and it just, that allows me to focus on the game. So, yeah, there's a lot more people. You have a truck full of people that are working on the game on both broadcasts, on, on the English and Spanish side. And when you're in Canada, you have a French team as well. So then you have three sets of teams. So so my question's more of your color commentator. Last season, you worked a couple games with Jaime Macias. He's your color commentator for this season. What's it like working with him? And recently, you've been working with Diego Tavares. How do their styles contrast while call, while calling games? And how, how do they and how does each style complement each other? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I don't I, I can't remember. I have to ask. I think at one point we were told this is the team you're going to start with. But nothing was confirmed that that's to the point of this is your guy for the rest of the season. It just kind of became that. And Jaime and I have worked together, like you said, in the past. We worked some DC United games together. Jaime is a, a brilliant mind, man. I think that he's one of the few analysts that I would, if you know, I, I want to call him El, Ce El Cerebro Macias. But I don't know if I'm allowed to. But if you could, have, that would be his nickname, El Cerebro. Como El Cerebro Iniesta, él es El Cerebro Macias. <laughs> I <laughs> he's very smart he likes to dig deep into teams and he's kind of pushed me to to be better in a way without saying anything and for me that's important i like somebody who's next to me to push me i want you to push me i like to be prepared i don't like to be surprised so we like to go over stuff so if i don't know it i don't know it but i don't want that to be on air but i try to do my work to be up to par and vice versa so now we have conversations where this and this happened, and did you know that, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and he just adds to the point because I already know that he knows it. So when it comes to that, he's great, right? He's a, he's a very technical guy. He likes to see how they're playing. This is what they're doing. These are the changes that are coming in. Diego, that was his first two games. So Diego, that was the first. I think he's he, he used to work for Gold TV, for Bean Sports as well. He's in Telemundo in Atlanta now. And these were his first two games for Apple TV. I think he did phenomenal. He's very smart, very very charismatic. He went along with a lot of the jokes that I was throwing at him, so I think that's good. Um, and and I feel that you know he's he might be a face we we're probably gonna see more of during the season. I think he deserves to be here. 
And like 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 you mentioned, um, the the styles are a little bit different. I think when it comes to just like the history, that uh, the tactics, that's all Hyman right there. And when it comes to the analysis and breaking teams down, I think Diego could probably fit into that mold better. Diego's actually a professional coach, by the way. At least he has his license to be a coach. Okay. Fascinating. And I guess finally, the last question I have for you, do you miss working with Luciano Emilio? I miss Luciano, man. Luciano was dope, man. Luciano is because Luciano was more like my friend. So Luciano, he's a good spirit. You know, he, he applied and he shared a lot of his knowledge as a coach and also as a, as a former player. So he knew what it was like to represent this United. I always think that's important. But Luciano, you know, he has a busy schedule. Luciano is a guy who who's doing multiple things. He has a soccer academy. He's doing um, trips to to other countries to take his clubs and and play and looking for those opportunities for those guys. I just think that you know probably he felt like it was time for him to kind of like step away and and focus more on the local stuff, which is what he's doing. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, but thank you so much, Moises, on yeah, uh, chilling and having a conversation with us. I thought you were going to talk about La Selecta. I thought you were going to hit me. I mean, do you really want to talk <laughs> about that real quick? <laughs> uh, I mean, go I ahead. Guess, what, what are your opinions about La Selecta? I, I thought we were going, man. I'm like, you guys are going to hit me with La Selecta. What do you think about La Selecta? Are they making it? Okay, one question. Okay, one question for my hermano. What do you think about that cow pasture known as a Tayo Clan? Because I, I need to know, as a Salvadorian American, and a, a real Savi you are, does it does it bother you, the condition of that stadium? Because it bothers the freak out of me. Yeah, of course. I think it's I think it's nostalgia what we think about when we, we see it, and it makes us feel some type of way. Does it have magic? Yeah, it has magic, man. I was there in 2021 for the Mexico Salvador game, and I can tell you when the national anthem is played, it gives you goosebumps. People were there three to four hours before kickoff, and you're just like, wow, it's amazing. You know, there's so much history, but the fact that it's beat up and destroyed and it needs a, I don't even think you can remodel the place anymore. I think you just have to create a new stadium, and I'm wondering what's happening with the Bukele Stadium. He said he was going to hook us Wait, up. Wait, what happened to uh, Bitcoin yeah. Arena? What happened know, to man, that? I'm thinking, he said, I'm up on Twitter, like, what's up, Presi? What's happening with the stadium? Are we going to get it? I'm waiting because I'm, I'm, I'm making plans. Hopefully before 2026. It's probably not going to happen before 2026. <laughs> I mean, the magic of Arizona is so World real. It scared, it scared Gio Reyna. Look, man. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's a very imposing, especially when you have big matches. Yes, but the conditions of the stadium, yeah. But that's what happens when the stadium is privately owned. And you have other events. And now it's become like the venue for all the concerts and all the Bad Bunny and Carol G and... It packs up the stadium, so people they rent it out. It's this is this business is about making money, and that's what they're focused on. Whoever owns the, you know, El Cuscatlan, but yeah, I don't think it benefits the. It doesn't benefit the national team. It doesn't benefit the youth systems. That has to change, and I think Mauricio Cienfuegos, who's who's on board now with Hugo Perez, has spoken about that. But Mauricio has always said it. You know, I've known Mauricio for many many years, and he said the conditions to play football. You know, Salvador are not the best for any anybody, not a professional player, not a youth player, not a player you're trying to develop. So I think you have to change that in order to give El Salvador an opportunity. Now, you're you're talking about how that bothers you. It gets under your skin. And I feel that when we're here in the U.S., we think really different than when we're from our counterparts in El Salvador. I feel that we see things in a way that they're not seeing it. And I think Hugo Perez is trying to kind of like implement that mentality of that way of thinking of being professionals of handling your business the way you should handle it like mls players do right i'm not saying all, i'm not saying all mls players are perfect but when you go to an, any city i was in this united hotel uh last game against montreal they're there they go to sleep they might come to the lobby but there's no reports of hey they went to party and those are all things that are that need to be implemented, not just the fields. It's just the the attitude, the way you handle things, the way you approach, the way you talk to to media and the fans. And it's gonna take some time, and it's hard because we want to see the change right now. 
But I feel that we do have a shot. And I say we do because I feel, even though I was born in L.A., I feel Salvadoran, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I feel very strong about that connection that we created over the years that our parents, you know, passed on to us. And as much as I feel American and I want the U.S. to do great, I also would like to see El Salvador in a World Cup. And I think 2026 is the biggest opportunity we might have unless things change drastically, which would mean you keep a team like Hugo Perez in power for many more years to come. And I don't know if that's going to happen after 2026. So this is our shot, man. This is our opportunity. And the Gold Cup is around the corner. So I hope that the team performs. They show us, they motivate us, and they do what they kind of did last time around. They kind of make the fans believe this is the chance. This is a chance. And I would say to the Salvadoran fans, don't lose hope. Keep supporting them. The support in the U.S. means a lot, even though they might say it doesn't. Bro. <laughs> the, reason why, the reason why they come to play to the U.S. is because you know why. The support is there. Is there anyone that impresses you on the squad? There's a lot of good lads right there. Damn, it sounds like we're running. There's a lot of good guys. <laughs> There's a lot of good supporters right there. Uh, there you go. Um, yeah. I think that you're mixing the old school with the new school. Who in my mind? Enrico. I like Enrico. If he can find his form again. I think he has to get out of the team he's playing in right now and go to a better club to get more minutes. I think he has a chance. Um I don't know if Narciso is going to make it. I like him a lot. He's more on the older side, but he has like a presence in the middle. Uh, Mario. There, there's, there's good guys. Uh, and I don't know if some of them are on the verge of like, they're, they're kind of getting out of the peak of their careers. So that makes you think. But I know that they're doing everything to look for new blood, to add new players. And that's important. But the fact that they're having these mini camps that's helping the the national team in many ways. The Gold Cup is gonna is gonna be a big boost. Yeah, I think Enrico's probably the guy that I've always liked. I like his style. I think we were missing a playmaker like that. He just needs to find his best form. And if he and if he does, he's gonna give El Salvador a plus. I'm not saying he's gonna be the savior, but he's gonna give them a boost that they need in that midfield. So you you miss the old playmakers, right? The guys who can just distribute here, score a goal. And when it comes to to the strikers, I mean, we have we have two new ones, right? So I, I, think, I feel like they get churned out every time I watch. Yeah, the team. Like, it's it's always a revolving <laughs> door when it comes to strikers with the Salvadorian national team. So yeah, but they they have they have something. They have something. It just they need time to develop. They need time to develop and work on that. And and I feel that it's going to be a competitive team. You don't have Mexico, you don't have the U.S., you don't have Canada. I mean, doesn't doesn't make it any easier because you have a Panama team that's has has been great the past couple of years. You have a Jamaica team that's stacked with stars from the Premier League and European leagues, and you have uh, Honduras, who's always dangerous. They're not in their best form either. And Costa Rica is on a rebuild, so this is the moment. You know, you attack. This is the moment you try to make it to the World Cup. Voices, tell the people where they follow you and all the platforms. Yeah, man, just uh, Emblinares DC, Emblinares DC. Um, that's where you can follow me. Check the games out on Apple TV. Watch all the action. Any game, depending. If you if you want to watch these United, you'll find all the action on Apple TV. If you want to watch any other team, that's where I'm at. Usually, we put out like an uh, like a a post saying who's gonna call what game. So that's that's how you know where I'm at. As always, the company man promoting. <laughs> busy. Hey, You're busy. You're a busy man, and we thank you so much for joining us on this call. We really do appreciate yeah, thank it. You ve- thank you very much, Moises. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. The Bad Hombres Podcast. And that's all for us here at the Bad Hombres FC Podcast. Before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm doing or you just want to know about proper recipe for tacos you can follow me on twitter at mario amaya one you can follow me on instagram at m underscore amaya 91 
if you want to know what what's going on in the world around you, or just want to know what's going on in the DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino too on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you just want to put money in my pocket, you could go to your local metro station and or newsstand and get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino today. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Remember, special shout out as always to Guy McLeod and Patek for the intro music. Remember, rate and subscribe as always to Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your favorite audio platforms. Please continue to rate and subscribe so we can learn how to continue improving this podcast for you. And we thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle of Resisting Podcast, and we hope to talk to you soon. Adios. Thank you.